Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the SaaS Sessions podcast. Today we have Pranjali Lahari on the show with us. With over 13 years of experience, she is currently the Assistant Vice President of Marketing at Upside LMS. In this episode, we are going to talk about uh, neuromarketing, what it is, why it exists and you know how to apply it to your day-to-day marketing practices. So Pranjali, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Sunil, for the warm welcome. And uh, thank you for setting the context to the conversation, too. We are going to talk of neuromarketing. And I promise, guys, to make it uh, less anatomical and uh, more practical for all of us to implement. Yeah. So, Pranjali, before we dive into the topic, right, I gave a very short intro about you. Can you tell us like more about yourself and how the journey been like over 13 years? I believe from the 13 years of your experience, the last 10 years you have spent at uh, Upside LMS itself. So tell us about your journey and how did you get into the SaaS ecosystem as well? Sure, Sunil. So I head the marketing function at Upside LMS. Uh, Sunil did mention that I'm the AVP there. Upside LMS is a progressive learning tech company. Our flagship product, we have a SaaS learning management system, which helps enterprises across the world to manage their employee learning and development. And I'll try to tell you my journey in a gist because it's 13 years and in context of this conversation, I'll keep it short and succinct. So my career journey has been very serendipitous and I use the word purposefully because I started my career in advertising where I learned the ins and outs of traditional marketing. Now, guys, this is the mid to late 2010 I'm referring to. So digital marketing, as we know it, hadn't evolved so much. So I dealt mainly with print ads, BTL events, radio spots, TVCs, and anything and everything that really falls into that category of advertising. Mm-hmm. It is about 2010 uh, that I stumbled upon an opening in Upside LMS, and I was hired for a digital marketing role, which uh, was a complete contrast to my previous work experience. Now, while there was a lot to learn for me personally in this emerging virtual field of marketing, I realized that the core principles of consumer psychology, behavioral mechanics, they all remain constant across the board. And I started experimenting rapidly with people-centric marketing, which is uh, short for using people as your influencers on one end of the spectrum to communicating in a very conversational, human-like way with your buyers on the other. Now, the interesting bit is what happened later on. For better or for worse, I hit a major, major health low, and I was looking for all books, all kind of podcasts, anything and everything that could give me information on self-healing. And before I knew it, I had synthesized everything on the human brain. What I found is with this newfound information and understanding of our central processing unit, I could easily connect the dots between consumer behavior and our three-pound mass of gray matter. And that's really, guys, the genesis of my love affair with neuromarketing. That's awesome. And the, you had a wonderful journey, right? Like before getting into Upside LMS, you are not focused on digital marketing at all. And when you got into Upside LMS, this you, you had a complete overhaul of what you were doing before this and after joining this new org, right? 10 years back. So how was your transition like so when you got into this new spectrum or new scope of digital marketing so how did you get to learn i i, I read on and when we last focus also i got to know that you know you're a big fan of learning so how did you if you can tell in short like how did you quickly get adapted to digital marketing and this whole new world uh, or whole new concept of marketing which you are not aware of before joining upside lms 
Absolutely. So yes, as you rightly pointed out, I came with little to no knowledge of digital marketing, but what I did have was a big appetite for learning. And I did everything in my capacity and I still do till this day, find any information that can potentially help me excel or hone my craft better. So what I did back then, and this is 10 years back, is I started reading up and I started experimenting on platforms that I was not very comfortable with. So honestly, I wasn't even there on LinkedIn about 10 years back, right? So that was my kickstart into my LinkedIn journey itself. So that is how naive my journey was back then. But essentially, it was keeping my ears and eyes open to what was happening in the industry, staying relevant, and most of all, staying agile, because the world as we know it has been transforming. And my job from then till now is to just keep pace with the changing technologies, the changing trends, keep one ear to the ground to understand what's happening in the industry and the market, and keep the other one on my industry to see how I can bring the two together so I'm able to leverage best of both worlds. That's great. So, yeah, coming back to the topic of discussion for this episode, neuromarketing, right? So, multiple questions I have, but let's start with why it exists in the first place. Uh, so, I'll get to the neuromarketing piece, Sunil, in a bit, but before that, let's indulge in this quick scenario that I'll present for us. Uh, imagine we have gone to a networking event or a conference, something that all of us do quite often, and you bump into a person and and uh, he or she, they get started into a conversation. 10 minutes later, out of nowhere, you're asked to give them an X amount of money, let's say 50,000 rupees. Now, if you're like me, you'll exercise caution and you'll bolt out of the door, right? Uh, because right. we don't know this person, yeah? And uh, you don't even have a relationship with the person to have enough trust. Now, unfortunately, that's how most brands communicate with the audiences today. Not only do we talk at our audiences, we do it without establishing credibility or trust. Uh, by the way, interesting insight, as per the latest reports, uh, it is shown that brand trust is at an all-time low, and we are all aware of that brand content is now very limited organically on social networks too. Now, additionally, what's happening, I think, is uh, in today's tech-driven world, because of AI and ML, we have personalized ads shoved into our social media feeds. Uh, we have them intruded into our private mailboxes. So they're literally like that bug that follows its owner everywhere, like the old telecom provider ad shows us. So all in all, um, it's really creepy, it's overwhelming, and it's irritating. Now, people-centric marketing is um, what I see as a branch of neuromarketing in itself. It's like a breath of fresh air, especially in our SaaS learn tech landscape that's more business oriented and keyword stuff. I personally call it humanizing marketing and I break it down into a three pronged approach, if you will, and it comprises of employee activation, client activation, and humanizing your brand communication in itself, mm -hmm. right? Now, all of these three elements that I mentioned are based on, uh, there's this psychologist called Ashaldini, and he has created six principles of persuasion. Now, all mm -hmm. of this again falls under the broad umbrella of human psychology in itself. And if you understand what these principles are, I think you can craft an effective marketing campaign in itself, uh -huh. right? But before that, Sunil, I think what I would like to talk about is more about the neuromarketing piece. Sure, we can, we can get to know more on that. Perfect. And I'll again take an opportunity to give us another hypothetical example. And we have all lived this sometime in our past. So we'll be able to reflect on this better. Mm -hmm. Now for a minute, let's try to recollect all of us at the supermarket. 
um, for the simplicity of understanding, let's assume it's a really hot day, you're thirsty and you're craving for something like a soda. And when you make your way to the chiller section of the supermarket, uh, if you pick up whether it's a Pepsi, a thumbs up or a Coca-Cola or any other variety available, it really depends uh, not on the ongoing offer at that point in time, if any, or even the placement of the drink on the shelf, but rather it's based on your past experience and emotional connection with that drink. And I'm sure all of us uh, know this, right? So for example, for me personally, I'll always reach to a thumbs up and I'm sure each one of us has our specific choice when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. Now, what this really demonstrates is that this is an outward manifestation of a series of neurochemical reactions. It's activation of certain brain centers. And even more important than that is the engagement of one of your three dominant brains. And uh, by three dominant brains, I'll get to them in just a bit because I think to understand neuromarketing or the application of neuroscience to marketing, which is what it really is, you need to understand a bit about the human brain, if not all. Mm -hmm. So, Suni, so to really address your question, what is neuromarketing? I would say it is the approach of leveraging our brain's predisposition for influencing, for persuasion, and for conversion. Mm -hmm. And the way I see it, it's both an art and a science. Got it. Yeah. So, you know, I spoke about our brain in itself. We all know our brain as one single organ. What most of us don't know is we have called what is called as the triune brain or which is three brains which attempt to work as one. And I'll just quickly give you a dope on this. And I promise not to make it anatomical at all, as I said at the outset of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So starting from the base, which is uh, the part that connects your head to the spinal cord, we have what is called as a reptilian or the this is the archaic part of your brain it is the seat of your subconscious mind so essentially in colloquial terms uh, think of this as your autopilot about all the decisions that you make every day so you know whether it is what to eat which streaming show to catch if you have to do some calculation all of this happens from that part of your brain now going up from that part uh, comes your next brain which is your mammalian brain mm -hmm. or the midbrain the word itself will tell you that it is unique to mammals it is it is what is called and all of your feelings, your intuition are governed by this part of your brain. Mm -hmm. And the final and the most evolved part of our brains is called as a neocortex or which is called as a thinking brain. So think of all of the higher cognitive functions that you do every day. If it's learning, uh, if it's a speech, learning a new language, or if it is doing some motor control, this is controlled by this part of your brain. Yeah. For uh, anyone who is a book reader, uh, and Sunil, for you too, if you have read the book Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, uh -huh. you will recognize these as System 1 and System 2. And what he essentially said is that System 1 is your fast thinking brain, you know, which operates automatically and quickly. It requires little to no effort and the autopilot uh, element of the brain that I was pointing to, this is essentially what System 1 is. And System 2 is the slow thinking one, which really needs a deliberate contemplation and then decision making. Right. So this is essentially how you can look at the brains, too. Now, in any case, if you're going to look upon your brains as a triune system or one of two agents with system one and system two, it's important to know that your brain actually work in an interconnected fashion. Mm -hmm. I'll quickly end this, uh, Sunil, by going back to the scenario we started with, uh, the one where I asked all of us to imagine of choosing a soda of our choice. And I'll finish that with a, a classic Coke versus Pepsi experiment that proves this. And the experiment uh, is such, and this experiment, by the way, has been going on since 1970. And time and again, the 
the results have shown similar uh, outputs. And it goes something like this. It's been found that whenever people are given a glass of Coca-Cola or Pepsi in a blind test, people always choose Pepsi because of its taste. However, when they're shown a branded version of Coca-Cola and Pepsi and they're asked to drink the two, Coca-Cola actually outwins Pepsi. So do you see the difference? Uh, one is that people actually prefer the taste of Pepsi, but when shown the brand, people prefer Coca-Cola. Now, going back to neuromarketing, I'll just try to piece all of this together. What it tells us really is that the branding of Coca-Cola is so strongly embedded in us, maybe from the times when we were little, when we observed our elders do something, or it was the first drink that we had, or it was the advertisements that we saw that we really associate Coca-Cola brand irrespective of, what our, irrespective of what our taste buds really tell us. So that is one. Mm -hmm. Second, what it tells us is that there is a discrepancy between what we think and what we say. Now, what I want to really point out here is that we all like to believe that we are rational creatures, but 90% of our decision-making actually is emotional. And this is exactly what the experiment proves. By the way, the latest LinkedIn report, the India edition of its brand and demand marketing, it shows that marketers in India are three times more likely to use rational approach in advertising than emotional, irrespective of the objective. And I'll give you a quick tip. If you have to use emotional ads, or rather the way you decide between an emotional or a rational ad is by, by seeing what the objective is that you want to achieve. So if you want uh, brand marketing or if you want to attract upper funnel leads, go for emotional marketing because that is what will attract the audience more. But if you want demand generation, if you want lead generation, go for the rational approach. Totally. I mean, this is really interesting, Pranjali. Like uh, we all, all are consumers of these advertisements and these kind of marketing, but we never really think so much on what's really happening, right? Be because at the end of the day, we are consumers, right? And we want... Like we generally don't think on what's kind of what's the study that that might have gone behind showing this at particularly to us, right? So it's really interesting to know the backside of these things. So in your experience, how do you apply these this particular concept of neuromarketing, let's say at Upside LMS, right? Like what are some of the examples that you can share with us that in in which you have used these these particular concepts when when you're selling this B two B SaaS product? Absolutely. Uh, Sunil, you rightly mentioned that almost all of us have been doing this without understanding the uh, neuroscience behind it, perhaps. And I'll give you some examples of what we've been doing at Upside LMS, and I'm sure most of you can relate to those because you've been using in your SaaS marketing for quite some time. So some of the principles I'll be sharing go back to what are called as the principles of persuasion, and some of them can be cognitive biases. Now, in any case, uh, we'll not get into the details of what cognitive biases are or what the principles really say, but I'll try to explain what it really translates to in practical sense. So the, one of the principles that we can use in SaaS marketing is that of reciprocity. Essentially, what that means is we need, or as humans, we have a tendency to give back to people who have done something good for us. We can all relate to this. Imagine a situation in which you were invited to a party by one of your friends. And whenever that you plan to host a party, I'm sure that this person made to your list. And this is really how humans work. So how this applies to uh, marketing is think of thought leadership activities. It could be as simple as starting your own blog. And you can use this blog to give out tips and tricks, best practices in your industry to people. 
You can take this a step ahead and include webinars or podcasts, or you can even have free downloadable resources on your website. Essentially, what this does is whenever you give something to people that are not yet your prospects or that are not yet your customers, uh, invariably, you are creating a sense of reciprocity in them and they will feel indebted subconsciously to give back to you in terms of a business whenever that the need arises. Now, that's just the first principle that we have been using. We have a blog at Upside LMS. We do podcasts. We have webinars. We have a bunch of free downloadable resources, and I encourage all of you to do the same, whichever you can, for your SaaS marketing efforts. Uh, the second I'll talk about is more from the UI or the UX perspective. Now, this is called as the primacy or the recency effect. It's also termed as a serial position effect. Essentially, what this means is that whenever you're designing a web page or whenever you're designing, especially your landing page, always we have been hearing this term called above the fold. Now, whenever you're doing it above the fold exercise, start strong. So you make sure that your value proposition, whatever you're trying to communicate, is clear and it's above the fold. Now, this is primacy, which is telling people uh, the first piece of information that they should hear. Now, typically, our web pages and our landing pages go uh, downward to, with a scroll on it. So you also want to end strong because people tend to forget what they have read because all of the information that falls between about the fall until the end is uh, sometimes overwhelming for people to really consume and make sense of. So you want to end strong too. You will repeat the call to action or your value proposition at the bottom of the page. Now, this is the primacy and the recency effect. Another one which is applicable for us and which is something that we do too is called the anchoring effect. And what this really means is what we see first anchors our judgment of the entire experience. And how this applies to SaaS marketing is think about your pricing page. In case you are a company that has pricing displayed on your website, always set the highest price first because typically we read from left to right. At least the Indian audience will always read left to right and also the Western audiences, large part. And what we see first on the left-hand side, the highest price will then set a benchmark for how you compare the rest of the prices. So essentially, if you have, let's say, uh, $10 on the right, and then you have something that goes lower on that, everything else looks very reasonable in comparison. So another interesting one, what we can do in regards to talking about the landing page or anything that requires people to take an action is the wand restroff effect. The one restaurant effect talks about anything that distracts, it, it attracts. I'll say that again. Anything that distracts, attracts. It's also sometimes called as the isolation effect, and it predicts that when there are multiple similar objects that are kept in front of you, the one that looks very different from the rest is what will be most likely remembered or most likely to be acted upon. So think of a CTA, whenever you have a call to action on a landing page or your web page, Think of different colors, contrasting colors that get attention and so that the person is compelled to take action on that particular page. Now, there are a couple more that I can also state, but quickly, if I have to talk about, uh, you know, how you can use your employees or how you can use your clients for your uh, communication, I will just give you a two, three uh, more highlights to this. So one is that people like people that look like them or are like them, something that they relate to. So uh, this principle is called as the liking principle. The more you like someone, the more you're likely to be persuaded by them. So think of your closest set of friends. Chances are they are very similar to you in the likes and dislikes. So how this applies to marketing is uh, think about pages wherever you can showcase your human talent, your own employees. 
So maybe the about us page on your website. Uh, try to have actual photos of your employees. Don't use the stock photos. Whenever you have an opportunity on social media to use your employees in forms of testimonials or behind the scenes, try to use your employees because this creates that sense of someone who is like you. So people will be more likely to trust in a brand that is like them. Another one, uh, and something all of SaaS marketers use is social proof, which essentially means that uh, it's safety in numbers. If someone else is doing it, you're more likely to do that too. And it is even more relevant today when we are practically doing everything online. You know, shopping uh, is one of the biggest ones that we're doing uh, online because of COVID. And one of the key parameters we use for decision making when multiple vendors are vying for our attention is we look at the reviews or the stars that you see on the vendor. The more the stars and the more reviews, positive reviews that you lead, uh, that you read, you're more likely to put your trust in that product versus other. Again, how it applies to SaaS marketing is uh, think of ways to get more client testimonials, uh, get logos and get reviews, case studies of your clients on your website, on your social media, or any advertisement that you do to try to include all of these components. Essentially, people looking at that will immediately have a sense of credibility in you without you spelling out so. Another one I'll say is about authority, which is the hello effect or the trade transfer. Now, think about an advertisement that uses a celebrity or a sportsperson. In current context, you can think of the latest IVR that we hear by uh, Amitabh Bachchan. Now, majority of Indians, we look up to Amitabh uh, himself. We uh, value his work, work ethics, his seniority, his knowledge, and his wisdom. So when we hear him tell us, do gach ki duri, mask hai zaruri, we take it very seriously. Now, what I gave you was an example of pop culture, but the principles stay the same in SaaS marketing too. So think of ways to include influencer marketing or whenever you're having a webinar or podcast, think of uh, co-presenting with well-known names in your industry. It could be your client leaders themselves. Uh, include them in your roundtables or any conferences that uh, have you present in front of broad audiences. The last two I'll give you, and they are applicable not just in physical settings, but they are even more applicable in today's virtual settings. They are a mirroring. So mirroring essentially means you, you imitate the other person's behavior. It can be in terms of the body language, the tone, the volume, the rate of speech, etc. And again, going back to neuroscience, it speaks into the mirror neurons, and uh, which essentially says that our brain cells respond equally when we perform an action and we witness someone do the same. And this is one of the quickest ways to establish uh, your position of credibility, influence, and likability. So example is whenever you're having a conversation with a prospect over a Zoom or over phone call, try to use the same words that the prospect uses without, of course, being creepy. So if I hear someone say hello instead of hi, I will try to use the same in my way of speaking to. Another one, uh, the last one I will talk about is called personalization. Essentially what that means is uh, we like things uh, that are centered around us. And the easiest way to think of this is um, whenever someone calls out your name, even if it's a crowded party, and even if it's a room where there's a lot of noise, you can hear your name above the noise in all cases. And that's uh, your mind's RAS, or which is called as a reticular activating system in action, which filters out billions of stimuli and gets your selective attention to your name. How this applies to marketing is whenever you're sending emails, use dynamic labels in your subject line itself. And most uh, email marketing softwares allow you to do that. Just use the name of the person followed by whatever you want to say in the subject line. Again, use it in the copy itself. When you're on a phone call in in-person meetings or virtual meetings, 
try to repeat the name of the person so that there is the personalization effect captured in it. And I feel more connected to you because you're using my name more often. Great. These are really interesting, you know, takeaways, uh, I would say Pranjali, uh, really, really useful. So thanks a lot for sharing those insights. I'm sure that those, those are going to be like really amazing takeaways for all the listeners. So since, since we are like, you know, reached the course of the episode, let's, let's quickly move on to the lightning round. So I, I have like three questions for you, Pranjali. So are you ready for those? Absolutely. Please go on. Great. So what do you know about your work now that you wish you would have known when you first started? I would say it's a lot to do with consumer psychology. If you understand people, the rest of the piece, whether it's marketing or sales, it's just um, connecting the dots between the two. Totally. And second one, like what did your biggest professional failure teach you? It taught me to pick myself up and not really spend much time thinking about what went wrong, but see what learnings I could get from it so that I do not repeat it in the future. And I've done this multiple times as well. And some of the biggest failures have been, have been my biggest learnings and my biggest achievements in the future. That's great. And then the last one, like what's the number one thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve? Uh, the biggest one for me has been... Uh, Looking at all things from a fresh perspective, starting with the white belt mentality, meaning that even if I know something, I will try to be as naive and open to learning it from a new set of eyes. Totally. So thanks a lot, Pranjali, for uh, taking time and coming on the show and sharing all these amazing insights about neuromarketing and, you know, all the tips and how to apply basically, right? That's, that's really more important because if someone listening to this episode, if they want to go back to their jobs, if they're marketers, obviously, like we have a diverse set of audience listening to the podcast. So if you're, if you're a marketer, if you know someone who's a marketer in your team, please share this episode with them and... I think they they could really benefit from all the insights and all the tips and tricks that Pranjali shared with us today. So thanks a lot for that, Pranjali, and thanks a lot for taking time. I'm really glad we could do this. Thanks, Anil, for making the time. And for the rest of the audiences, we can keep the conversation going on LinkedIn. I'm available at my name, Pranjali Lahiri. Uh, So let's chat there. Thank you so much, Anil.